Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Newsroom. My name's Katie, and I will be your host as we meander into the lives of inspiring and creative people. This is a hub for makers, thinkers, and anyone else that is doing the work that they truly want to be doing. Welcome back to Newsroom. This is episode 19 of the podcast, and I'm so excited to be here providing space for creatives to talk about the things they love. Thank you so much to those that are returning, and welcome to those that are new. If you're new to the podcast, there are 18 other episodes with amazing guests, so be sure to check them out. This week on the podcast, I'm sharing a conversation I had with Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. They are the hosts of the Finding Your Shine podcast, originally known as the Wine and Shine podcast. Now, I know that most of my guests are from the Cleveland area, but I also wanted to venture out of Cleveland and connect with other creative communities. I didn't have to go far for this conversation. The Finding Your Shine podcast is based out of Columbus. Nina currently lives in Columbus, while Liz recently made a move to Akron, which if you're not from Ohio, it's just south of Cleveland. On their podcast, they interview people about crystals, holistic health, periods, Ayurveda, and so much more. The two of them provide a perfect balance of bubbly chatter and thoughtful questions. After working for a long time teaching music in schools, Nina felt a pull to do something else and eventually became a certified health coach and then started her own health coaching business. After struggling with her own anxiety and hormone health, she decided she wanted to help other women balance their hormones and calm their anxiety. You can find out more about her work on her website, nourishwithnina.com. Liz currently is working in finance and is aspiring to work for herself as a financial coach. You can find out more about Liz at her website, lizgarster.com. I'll link to both of these as well as the website for their podcast in the show notes. We also talk a bit about body image and how media shapes how we view ourselves from a body perspective. I love talking with Nina and Liz, and I think you will really enjoy our conversation. So without any more of my own chatter, here is my conversation with Nina and Liz of the Finding Your Shine podcast. First, I want to start out. Thank you guys for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for just joining me today. I'm so excited to yes. chat with you guys. Thank you so Same. much for asking us to be on the podcast. We're honored. Yeah. So I want to start out first by asking about what has been inspiring both of you guys. What are your – just because my podcast is called Muse Room, I like to talk about what your muses are and if they're – a person or a thing or something that happened recently, anything like that? I would say for me, um, this is Liz. I feel like <laughs> I have to – I have the deeper voice of the two. Um, I think this sounds really like mundane or, you know, not like a, a big thing, but the everyday relatable stories of women for me have been hugely inspirational. Um as we have this podcast and we keep t- – and I'm sure you understand the same thing having mm-hmm. a podcast. Um, as you keep talking to people, you know, sometimes like in Instagram or other places, these stories of women that just are silently kind of doing this work um, and still maintaining like all these other things they do in their lives but making these little changes that add up to have huge impact in our world. 
Um, I just have been hearing those stories has really made me think, you know, there's someone in the trenches with me doing this work and it's um, pushed me to like keep doing the things that I'm doing. Absolutely. I feel the same way. Just And to know that I feel like right now is such a good time for all of these things to be happening, all of the podcasting, all of the small business and the networking events. Like I feel like everyone's just really craving it right now. Just and so it makes definitely makes me mm-hmm. feel like I'm not alone. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you guys. The first thing that popped to my head was um, just the entrepreneurial world right now is super inspiring to me. And being in Columbus, I'm constantly surrounded by people that are, you know, launching their own projects and writing blogs and recording podcasts and starting businesses. And everybody Mm -hmm. is, is so supportive of each other, which I think is really cool. It's like nobody's competing. Everybody's here to like encourage you and give ideas and share stories and collaborate. Um, So I'm just really inspired by this whole online community, to be honest. And especially like with the podcast, like Liz said, we talk to so many women a week. And like, here we are talking to you, you know, and connecting with you over the interwebs. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just so fun to feel like you have this community, even though we're all so spread apart and all over, you know, the US and the world. It's like we have this common place on the internet where we can connect. And it's just a cool time to be, you know, here <laughs> and alive. Yeah. I I agree. It's really incredible because I mean sometimes it's hard to maintain a good relationship with technology and social media, but it is such a gift. And it's just we're so lucky just even podcasting, like back in even 10 years ago, no one really knew what podcasting was. You know, people, you could go to school for journalism and maybe you would get a job at NPR, but you don't, to have a podcast, you don't even have to have a degree in jer- journalism. Right. Anyone can like do us. it. Like it's just, just grab yeah. <laughs> a mic and find somewhere to record and you're good and ask people to talk to you. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And such a good way to meet people and to connect. Okay, so I want to get into both of your stories. So can you just start by introducing yourselves um, and then just kind of saying maybe where you're from, uh, what your childhood was like, college, and just kind of up to where you are now? Yeah. Liz, do you want to start or should I? Sure. Why not? Um, So my name is Liz. I am originally from – actually – technically, originally from Jackson, Mississippi area, um, a little town called Forest, Mississippi. You can't tell from the accent. It is sadly gone. I wish I still <laughs> had it. Um, but I grew up there till I was nine and my parents divorced and my mom moved back to where her mom was living, which is Northwest Ohio, um, very rural farm country, not a lot going on. And I became the weird kid with a strange accent. Um, so I grew up there. Um, I'm trying to think in high school. I guess I was not like super nerdy, but like in band, very musical, um, very so not like a cool kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and um, I'll talk a little bit about because it, it plays into my story. Um, my mom had a very um, so she was a single mom, she's a teacher, mm-hmm. and um, so we had lots of financial hardships growing up, which I um, didn't really see because my mom being just wonderful, you know, gave us a wonderful life and everything we would ever need. But um, there were little things that I didn't pick up on in that time, like, 
you know, every two weeks we'd have to go to check into cash. And I didn't know what check into cash was, but now I know it's like a, a um, payday letter. So, um, and like my, um, she had to file for bankruptcy and like I lost my car in college. So mm-hmm. that's important. You'll see why in like a minute. <laughs> um, people are like, why are you ragging on your mom and her financial we situation? Love and I, <laughs> we do. And I, <laughs> I've cleared it with her to be able to tell this story. Yeah, um, good. <laughs> she, you know, just like a really hard relationship with food and a lot – or excuse me, a hard relationship with money and a hard relationship with food, which is another part of my story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to college. I lived with Nina, who, which the best mm-hmm. years of my life, um, doing stupid college roommate stuff. Um, we went to Otterbein, which is, um, for anyone like outside of Ohio, a small liberal arts college outside of Columbus, um, mm. birthplace of Prohibition, the town that it was in. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, our mm. campus was dry. Yeah. <laughs> which oh, wow. No one adhered to, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I actually went to school for music. Um, music and like arts administration was my focus. So I wanted to do um, communications for like an opera company or a symphony. Um, that when I graduated in 2011 at like the height of the recession, not a lot of jobs. Yeah. So I got a job at a credit union and it was really just a like, I have to not work at Panera Bread anymore. I have to have a <laughs> real person job. So like I'll get this. I didn't know what a credit union is. Um, it's a not-for-profit financial co-op. So it's like a bank, but it's owned by the people that bank there. So it's like nonprofit arts, nonprofit finances, like close enough. <laughs> so um, I did marketing for a credit union in Columbus for several years and then um, now do financial services marketing consulting for credit unions for a little small firm. Um but all that to say, um, I once I, we started doing this stuff, once we started talking to a lot of coaches, um, I became really interested in financial coaching just from my background of, um, you know, my mom's story and growing up and having a really hard financial background um, and how that had affected me getting older. I wanted to help empower women to not worry about their finances and not stress about their finances so that they could, you know, focus on changing the world and keep doing stuff like this because it's really right. hard to, you know, when you're stressed about money, it it's really – it consumes a lot of your waking thoughts if you have money stress. And, you know, a lot of women have student loans and credit cards and all sorts of things that are weighing on them financially. So um, I've kind of combined, like, what I'm doing now with podcasting and, like, kind of getting into this – coaching, like do your own kind of side hustle thing with my finance background that I got just by not majoring in it, just yeah. working in a financial institution. Um, and to t- I mentioned food. Um, I had in high school like some disordered eating stuff, I think, unfortunately, very common for right. women. Too common for women. Um, I wish it were not a thing. But um, I found that that same um, binge and then restrict cycle that I was in for many, many years, I saw that reappearing with my finances. So my specific focus with financial coaching is like 
I think that a lot of people try to do a similar thing where they put themselves on really restrictive budgets. Mm-hmm. And just like um, there are lots of studies that diets don't work. I don't think restrictive budgets work because you're going to – it's not sustainable um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of – in my financial coaching stuff that I've just started launching have taken a very holistic, feminine, give yourself some grace approach, which I think – in the industry, um, there's a lot of shame and, you know, all debt is bad. You're bad if you have debt, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a different approach with it given my, my background. So awesome. I'm excited for that because I, I mean, you hear about health coaches and all the different life coaches, business coaches, but I don't hear a lot about financial coaches. And I feel like there's a definite need for that. And, you know, I definitely have never wanted to go to a bank and sit at a desk with an old, older white man across from me telling me what I need to do with my finances. So I feel like something like what you're doing is just so important and so needed. So I'm really excited for you to do that. Yeah, thank you. I think anything where you have a relationship, and I don't think people think of having a relationship with money, but they absolutely do. I think anything that you have a relationship with, like your health or your business, there's a need for coaching that inevitably pops up so you can have someone, you know, help guide you in a direction and keep you accountable. Absolutely. In a loving way. Yeah, for sure. And I'm in kind of in that season of life right now where I've been out of college for two years, trying to pay my student loans, doing a lot of odd jobs, teaching, um, dancing, which doesn't really help my finances very much. So definitely- Wait, what kind of dancing are you doing? I'm a ballet slash contemporary dancer. I dance with- You're like a legit dancer. Yeah. (laughs) I my hip-hop fitness class dancer. (laughs) Got it. Okay. That would be fun. But I dance with a company called Neos Dance Theater, which is like based in Akron, actually, in Oberlin. Yeah. But that's Sorry. amazing. I didn't know there was that theater oh. in Akron when I was there. Is it? Yeah. Um, let's see. Where did When did they start? I think it was around 2008. Right. Oh, yeah. So right after I would have left the air. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, about um, – I'm just really excited you're doing that work. That's really cool and definitely needed. So awesome. And then, so Nina, how about your yeah, story? So I grew up in Northeast Ohio, like right by you. Um, if anybody knows where Hartville is, it's kind of in the middle of the Akron Canton area. And I lived in the same house and grew up in the same area for my entire life. So I don't have any cool moving stories like Liz, but I <laughs> same. I lived in the same house also in my entire Stability life. Stability <laughs> is something I definitely wanted, so don't be jealous, guys. <laughs> that living in the same house and not having much change, I guess, in my life sort of um, led me to where I am with like my story of anxiety, which is interesting because I think mm. if I would have moved around a lot, like change may or may not have been easier for me. But yeah, so I grew up in that area and I was really involved in music. So ever since I, my mom, like, tells me ever since I was talking, I was singing. So I was really involved with music. I loved singing. I took piano lessons at the age of five. And I was in like every single school production that I could get my hands on. So always acting and singing and went through my years um, doing that. But I also 
um, started to develop anxiety around the age of 15, but it wasn't something I was aware of at the time. I just thought that my brain sort of worked differently than other people's. And because I held that belief for so long, I, I just thought that I was different. I didn't realize that the way that my brain overthought things and catastrophized situations and um, really, you know, the anxiety that was developing at my age was something that other people dealt with. So I just sort of kept it to myself for a long time. Went to college where I met Liz and we were freshman year roommates. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And we were roommates for a while and still friends, obviously, to this day, 10 years later. Um, And I majored in music at Otterbein. So I was a music ed major. And I really just ran my body to the brink. Like I, I did it in high school. I did it in college. I was, you know, working a job. I was doing the music degree was a pretty intense degree. We had limited free time, like classes booked as far as we could get them into our daily schedule. And I was teaching private lessons in addition to waitressing at the time. Uh, And all of these, all of these things and keeping myself really busy was just another way that I tried to cope with the anxiety I didn't really realize I had. Because if I kept myself really busy all the time, then I wouldn't have to sort of sit and think and be with my thoughts. So after I graduated, I got a job at Olentangy, which was the school district I worked for for seven years. And for the first four years of that, I worked at two middle schools. So I would work um, one middle school part of the day, and then I'd drive over to the other middle school for the second half of the day. I was teaching over 500 kids my classroom, I think my smallest size class was probably 50 kids, 60 kids, and my biggest was over 100. Wow. So I was constantly just on, you know, singing, dealing with the energy of yeah. all these middle school kids, running two music programs. Um, then I decided that it was a good idea to get my master's degree because, you know, that's what I did. So I was doing all of this and getting a master's degree. And I also was booking a kit, a trip for one of my schools to go to New York City. So I was taking a group of middle schoolers to New York and just doing all of these things. And um, it wasn't until it wasn't until I got back from that New York trip and I finally got down to one school. So I was able to work full-time at one middle school that my body decided that it was time to have its big body breakdown. That's what I like to call it. And I think that happens when we're pushing our body to the brink for so long. And then finally, when you decide that it's time to relax, it all boils to the surface. It's like, okay, look what Mm. you've done to me for so many years of your life. Right. And you're just not listening to it. And it's like, please listen to me. Exactly. So at that point, that's when my anxiety became sort of unmanageable. I wasn't sleeping very well. I was losing my appetite. My hormones were all over the board. I wasn't having my period anymore. Um, I was having, and when I was, I was having terrible cramping or just spotting throughout the month. And I remember waking up like every morning with a stomach ache. So in addition to just my hormones, like my gut was giving me signs that things were not right. So this is really where I come into where I am now is I went to my doctor and my gynecologist. And of course I said, I don't feel well. Like I don't know what's going on. And I was hoping for some sort of answer like, Maybe it's your thyroid or maybe maybe you have this and this is what we can do to start making it better. But basically they just said, here's an anxiety pill and here's a hormone or here's a birth control pill. And at the time it just wasn't 
in my gut, sorry, my dog, um, in my gut, I just knew that that wasn't the answer for me. So I ended up sort of taking things into my own hands and I started researching holistic health and I got really into yoga, meditation. I tried probably every diet there is to try. I went vegan. I did paleo. I did vegetarian. I tried all of the diets, all of the things. And slowly but surely, I started to feel better. I was really beginning to listen to my body. I was tuning in and I just couldn't really hold it back anymore. I was like, this is awesome. Like I'm starting to feel better just by tuning in and really using these holistic methods to start to heal my body. And that's when I enrolled in, enrolled in IIN, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and I got my health coaching certificate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just quit my job last May. And I've been now kind of going full force into health coaching full time and podcasting. And yeah, it's just sort of evolved from from there. Yeah. When did you know that you wanted to become a health coach and help other people that were going through similar things that you were going through? I started talking to, I felt like I was constantly having the same conversation over and over again with women, like the same story Mm -hmm. that I went through. They were burnt out. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't feel like themselves. They were dealing with brain fog, acne, hormone issues, gut issues. And I would just share my story And eventually I kind of had this thought, like, maybe this is something I should look into. Maybe I should get certified in this. And so when I found the Institute for Integrative Nutrition at the time, I had no idea that I was going to do it full time. I just wanted to learn more. And I thought maybe it'd be a cool thing, a cool certificate to have, maybe work with women part time. Mm -hmm. But I realized, and this sort of came in with the podcast too, When I was at school, my brain wasn't fully there anymore, which was hard because that's all I had known for my entire life was music and teaching and performing. And um, I just, when I was there, I was thinking about coaching women. I was thinking about the podcast and I was so much happier. There was this, I just felt lit up when I was doing these other things these part-time things and I wasn't feeling lit up when I was at school anymore. Not to, not to say I didn't enjoy my job or because if I look back on those years, I really did. Like music is still a passion of mine and teaching is still a passion of mine. It just wasn't where I was meant to be full time anymore. And that's when I knew, I just knew that I had to make that choice and it was hard. I mean, ask Liz, she probably wanted to like throw things at me because I talked every single day. It's a big deal to make that, every a single day. Like I was that. like, like, I want to quit my job. I don't know what to do. I don't. I was just back and forth. And I remember when I finally went to talk to my principal, I was I was shaking. I walked to my principal's office and walked back like three times before I actually went in. Oh my god! And it was hard. I cr- I mean, even a couple days ago, the new choir director she Facetimed me and the kids. And I got to listen to them sing their new songs for their concert. And I was, you know, I was a little bit emotional because those were my, that was my kid. You know, but I just knew, I knew that it was the right decision and I I still know. And I'm really glad that I made the leap. Yeah, I totally relate to that. I mean, I don't want to get into it too much on the podcast right now because I'm kind of in that period where I'm trying to figure out like, is this something that is going to be sustainable for me? for much longer what and what is going to become sustainable. So I'm glad to know that I'm not the only person that has 
that is going yeah, through that Yeah, and you just right have now. to remember that when you have those pings, that's your intuition speaking. And a lot of times we try to stifle our intuition and say, like, no, 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 maybe, I don't know, these are just thoughts and you try and push them away. But when you keep hearing that same ping of information over and over again, the universe is either going to throw something in your lap to make you like bring it, bring that to your attention and make a, make a choice or, you know, it'll, it'll come up eventually. So it's a good thing that you're listening to it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I want to talk about how you guys came together and all of the podcast stuff. So you guys met in college, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And then you guys just became clicked, became super close friends, and then continued that friendship when you graduated school. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, yeah, there was never the option of ever letting that, no. letting that go. It was really important to us and our, I mean, obviously we have like a ton of mutual friends. So I think the podcast, um, it was just born one day. I think the universe, I think it was mm-hmm. the universe that made it happen, but um, we were just hanging out and we were always having these – Nina was probably one of the few people in my life, which is like sad if I think about, but I wasn't really having honest conversations with a lot of people. I think, you know, in friendships, you're just like, oh, yeah, like Kim's doing this and, um, you know, how's Sarah? Like it's just like – I don't want to say like mindless, but mm-hmm. surface level friendships and um, – Nina and I would talk about these really like deep things all the time where like someone else has to be, you know, other people have to be having these same conversations because we weren't really hearing them from Mm -hmm. anyone other than like each other. Um, So given that Nina's husband runs a podcast business, it was an (laughs) – we're like, we should just like hop on there and sometimes we're funny and maybe someone would want to listen. And actually originally it was just going to be – us talking to each other. Um, it was the Wine and Shine podcast mm-hmm. and we were going to drink wine and just talk to each other. And we soon found out that it's expensive to buy a bottle and of we, wine every week. <laughs> so. yeah, we thought it was a good idea to rate and review the wines on every episode. And we then realized that that was really dumb and we did not know how to rate or review wines at all. And we ended up drinking tea so LaCroix for most of it. And we ended up yeah, changing our name recently like I don't know how long ago it was mm-hmm. yeah not that August long. I think so a couple months but um we came to the determination that because we've seen like just a lot more like a ton yeah. more action in the last couple months and we're like people must have thought we were a wine podcast <laughs> like if you're like searching amount, for us like the yeah. amount of people <laughs> reaching out to us or people listening to the podcast now has just grown because the name and I think finding your shine makes a lot more sense than wine and shine. I yeah, definitely. Did you guys ever actually review wine on an episode? Oh god, like the first couple episodes and it's so it's me being like definitely have notes of cherry. I don't know anything. I literally know nothing. Like I don't know why we thought that was – I think we thought it was a good idea because her – so Nina's husband's podcast is like a – they drink beer and mm-hmm. talk about the beer and then talk about Star Wars. So I think gotcha. we were like, oh, we'll just do that with wine and <laughs> not a great idea. Not, not our great. finest idea, but, you know, it got us started, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, you might think it might be one thing when you start and then it evolves into something else. So – yeah. So when you first decided you wanted to start a podcast, what was the next step that you took? I remember just basically asking Cody, what do we need to do? And 
the first step mm-hmm. was picking the name, obviously. And then we used Liz's husband, who is a graphic designer, and we, we, we have lots of help. asked him to <laughs> design us a logo and we picked a color scheme. We sort of sat down and like worked out the brand. And then we, I remember Liz sketching out, not sketching out, but typing out our intro together. And so we mm-hmm. planned out our intro. We had these meetings. We had these wine and shine meetings that never really went as planned. We got very distracted during them. But eventually, oh, we we scheduled a photo shoot with our wonderful friend, Brittany, who lives in Lakewood. And mm. the podcast was born. We launched, you know what? We were, we launched it two years ago, like last week. Oh my gosh. Happy birthday. Yeah. My husband was like, did you guys do anything for your two year anniversary? And I was like, um, Liz posted a story on Instagram. That's awesome. So what is it like having, cause I do this by myself. What, what is it like having a co-host? Like that sounds kind of fun. It's, it's amazing. Um, because I feel like Dina and I both have different, like I'm not as chatty and outgoing as Nina is. I have I don't want to say I'm shy cuz I'm not shy. Um but I'm a little more reserved and so Nina helps. She's like the she's my bridge. <laughs> like she can start like really conversing and doing a lot of like gregarious kind of chatting and Liz kind Alex. of get me like warmed up socially. <laughs> and I guess I Nina has said my strength is that I like come in with very Buddha-like oh, yeah. thoughts. He my high energy <laughs> like crazy. In. So I'll be listening to the podcast and sometimes I'm like, Nina, shut up. Like you are talking so much and you are talking way too energetically for people. Like it might be five in the morning and someone's driving to work. Like you're going to be annoying these people. And all of a sudden, you know, Liz is very silent and then she comes in with this like very profound question. And the, and it's not just me that has said this, like people that listen to the podcast always are like, yeah, you definitely talk a lot. And then Liz comes in with a profound question. That's amazing. And I think a guest has mentioned it too. Like they'll be like, that's a really great question. Yeah, I, I was listening to an episode right before we got on here. I think it was with um, Haven, the co-working space. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you guys had – you were talking about that and you mentioned, yeah, Liz always comes in with those profound mm-hmm. questions. It's fun. It's awesome. What it is is that I think it's actually my – it's a – I don't want to say a flaw. It's my perfectionism. So I sit and I'm like, got to get just the, the best questions. So I sit and I like soak in knowledge and like what they're saying and then it takes a, a while to formulate the right questions. Yeah. So it's probably just my perfectionism Well, and I don't like downtime oh or dead space. So I bet you that's my anxiety coming through. Where I'm like, got to keep talking. Got to keep going. Well, that's a good balance. And so I want to ask you, like, what do you guys do when you're preparing to interview someone? That's a really good question because we used to hyper prepare and we would, you know, list out questions. And now we've found that we like just having organic conversations and just seeing where it takes us. So for me personally, and Liz, Mm -hmm. I think you're the same. I definitely, you know, browse the website and make sure I know what our guest is about and make sure I know the topic. But I really just go, we go in freely and start asking questions and go wherever the conversation leads us. 
Because what we would plan would never happen. Like it always takes some turns. So we were like, why are we doing all this planning when it never – it never takes the direction we think. And I also think that doing that for us, it kind of makes us like the audience, like someone listening to it. Like we're we're experiencing that right there with the listener. Like mm-hmm. we're learning in real time just like they are. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Right now – I've had the podcast since March, so – and it hasn't been super consistent, but I'm kind of trying to find that fine line of, like, how much to repair and how much do I want it to be organic, and that's what I'm learning. This is that. my personal opinion, and I think everybody's podcast listening style is different, but I listen to podcasts just because I like to hear people's conversations. So I don't know if you guys listen to Almost 30. I know Liz. Yeah, yeah I do. they mm-hmm. – it's – it's not like question one, question two, question three, you know, and then you hear the guest answer. They just, they just talk. And that's what I love so much. And even when we're recording, I think it's more natural just to be listening and to really pick up on cues with whatever they're saying, as opposed to being like, well, this is my next question. Or like, these are the questions I wanted to hit. But I will say it's nice to have a couple things listed out just in case you need to pull from your question. You know, if, if yeah. there's some like dead space and you want to pull something, it's nice to have it there. But yeah. So how did you start? De- when did you realize that? Um, and how did you start developing those listening skills to ha- help you pick up on certain cues? Hmm. I, you know, I, I think it. How do I say this? When you grow up with music and you are really involved in performing, I think it's a little bit natural. I don't know, Liz, if you would say the same, but just ha- like talking a lot and having conversation, I feel like it comes a little bit naturally to me just to listen. I don't know. That's a hard question. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah, I'd say, I guess like I'm. I just hear things that it's almost like kind of piecing together stories in that I'll hear them say something that I know like a listener has asked about or we've had conversations before. It's kind of identifying like a word or a phrase they say will trigger like something that I know our audience is interested in. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of play with that. And when when I'm listening to what they're saying, I feel like I this is probably something I should work on. But I tend to always relate it to a feeling that I have. And then I take that feeling and I run with it. But I love – this is why Liz balances Mm. me because I like how – I never knew you thought that way, Liz, where you'll hear something and then you think of something for the listener, which is amazing. It's probably where the profound questions come (laughs) from. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean – before I started a podcast, I thought that I wasn't the type of person to be able to hold conversations. And so I kind of was like, well, maybe this will be good practice to start having conversations like that. I definitely think it has helped my um, – so like in my current work, I have um, clients that I have weekly phone calls with. And I think it's definitely helped me pick up more on what they're saying in like my regular nine to five job. Um, I think it's just improved my listening mm-hmm. and conversing overall. I recently mm-hmm. was in a couple meetings with my husband for new clients, like 
podcasting clients. And I realized that I was using my podcasting skills like as a listener and as a speaker while I was in those meetings. Something else I'll say, if you struggle with anxiety, it's a way to get you to be in the moment because you have to be focusing on what the other person is saying. So for me, it's a great way to really be in the now and use it as a mindfulness experience. Mm, I like that a lot. Like kind of like a meditation, but an active sort yeah, of meditation. Yeah, a fun active meditation. You don't even you don't even realize mm-hmm. it. But if I catch myself drifting, which is really easy for me to do, or start thinking or overthinking, I'm like, nope, you're in a podcast recording right now. So you have to focus in on the now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a hard thing mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. But it gets easier with practice like yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just the drive to do it. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you a little bit more about like kind of the nitty gritty stuff about podcasting. So you've had the podcast for about two years. When was the point where you, where it started to really take off and where you were able to monetize? Like just now, Mm. like literally like last month, I think is the first month in two years that our podcast turned a profit. Nice. Oh, wow. So I think I was going to say from the get-go, it was kind of like, I think our main goal was like, can we just break even on what we have to pay Cody's team to produce it? That was kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we always wanted to monetize it, but that was like the the bare minimum. Um, I would say Nina's, honestly, I think Nina, the correlation is like you now, we pretty much have, I don't want to say like a part-time worker because Nina does all the work for the podcast. I won't even pretend like I mm-hmm. like really. I don't do any social, like very you rarely. You do a lot um, of stuff. Like you, you'll knock out ten million things, and also, I'm like an administrative do, person because that's more so my jam. good. I feel like every time you do something, I'm like, yes, Liz, get that organizational workflow happening. But I feel like it's you've had the time now that you're doing health coaching full time. It's I mean, the podcast, and we've said this for a long time, it's essentially extensions yeah. of our businesses that we have. And so now that you're really focused on your business, you know, a lot of our sponsors, Nina, actually, I think some of them had reached out to you um, for your health and coaching. And it's like the podcast. Right. Yeah. Right. We, we're, mm. We've always had sort of like a steady growth throughout our two years. It wasn't anything huge like, oh my gosh, now we're at, you know, this many thousand listeners. But it's always sort of been a steady growth. And when we changed the name, though, that was probably where we Uh saw the biggest boost. And that was just a few months ago. But of course, as you grow and you start getting bigger guests on your show and you start, you know, other people begin listening to the show and sharing that. It just grows naturally. But it's been fun too. We just started doing ads. But we also are very conscious about the ads that we choose. Me and Liz are like we don't want to promote something that we wouldn't use ourselves or that we don't believe in. And we've had to say to, you know, people before, like this doesn't align with our purpose and our mission, but maybe this would be a better fit. So we're just really purposeful about like if we're going to choose to you know, have an ad on the show and make some money off of it? Is it something that we believe in? And is it a product that we actually want our listeners to try out? Also, fun fact, ads are not good to do. They're unscripted. hard. So mm, really? <laughs> definitely want to write have, those out. We have a lot know. of bloopers with yeah. us doing ads for sure. Oh, really? That's funny. 
So what would you say to maybe the newer podcasters? And I feel like it's an, it's good to be reminded that it's not going to be perfect right away. It's not going to take off and you're not going to have a million listeners right away, but sometimes it's still hard to get that out of your head. So what would you say to new podcasters? I would say, um, like when we started this conversation, I was talking about the people that inspire me and and everyday people's stories and the struggles they've gone through and all of the cool things that they're putting out there in the universe. I think the biggest thing for podcast growth that I've seen is make it a community experience. Like connections are key in, I mean, first of all, it's just a great way to grow personally and have amazing conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's kind of like a lot of our guests have been like, you know, we hear about it it's it's who you know like i don't know how to explain kind of what i'm saying in my head um nina help me out cuz i yeah, feel like you well, know what i'm saying it really is like <laughs> i've traveled like all day and i'm very tired i guess my point is like we would hear as far as getting guests goes um and people finding out about us it's like the more connections that you make the more likely you mm-hmm. are to get in front of more and more people. And then their followers and then their followers will then come to your podcast. And if they enjoyed the interview that you had with the you know, that person, then they'll stick around and then hopefully they'll tell a friend. Mm And yeah, it's like all about building that community. But when you said that, it reminded me, I just started working with my friend Julie, who's on our podcast. She's um an intuitive eating health coach. She's been working Mm. with me as a business coach. I just had my first session with her. And it reminded me that when we are really like controlling and holding on to this idea of something that we want and we really want it for, you know, maybe the monetary goals or we want to attract more followers. And yeah, like all of those things are good. Like that's just energy, right? Like we want to bring more people to our mission. We want to bring more people to like what we're sharing. And of course, like everybody wants to make money doing what they love. Like all of those are great things. But the energy really needs to come from your passion for the work that you're doing. And if you put out your passion and that positive energy, you're going to naturally attract the money in and the the followers in and the people, the listeners. And that's something I have to remind myself with the podcast, but also with my health coaching business, because I just started that in May. So I have you know, my handful of clients right now, but of course it's so easy for me to compare and say, well, I want X amount of clients and I want to be charging this much, but I have to remember those are all end goals. And the real reason I'm doing this is because I want to help women and I want to help, you know, others struggling with anxiety and hormone balance and all of the things. And so if I just keep putting it out there, hopefully they'll hear the story and they'll want to work with me just through the authenticity. And I think the same thing goes for the podcast. Like me and Liz just have always tried to be really authentic with what we're saying and if hope, hopefully people resonate with it. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. No one's going to want to connect with you if all of it you're trying to do is just get followers and get money. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you, you guys, I mean, it makes sense also because you said when you changed your name of the podcast, you attracted a lot more mm-hmm. people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that makes sense. So, what was that evolution like? Why did you guys decide to change the name of the podcast, and what was that journey like? Nina pressured I me. No, pressured I'm kidding. So <laughs> you hated me for a day. I, 
I did not hate you for a day. I thought, man, we got yeah. a lot of stuff to do now. Like, that's <laughs> like photo um, shoots, all the branding. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, we are very, very, very fortunate to have a good team that can help like take our crazy ideas and very quickly implement them. Mm. But um, I know, Nina, you had been having – I mean, just in our conversations with other podcasters or longtime listeners or people that, you know, we just knew through our other endeavors, um, it had always kind of come up like, have you thought about changing the name? Like, do you ever get people that are confused? It may not be – I mean, people subtly hinting that like, hey, maybe your name doesn't align with what you're looking to do. And at the time, because I think a lot of times when you're in it, you know, when when that's something like your name or your identity – and you think like, well, how can people not know what we're trying to do? Like how, you know, we drink wine, we used to, and we, the shine is more like a, you know, like we're helping people try to be their best selves through facilitating these conversations. You know, how could anyone like not get that? But, you know, we weren't drinking wine anymore. <laughs> it just, it wasn't as obvious as, I mean, I think it was our first experiment and we talked about how, you know, it kind of changed a, from what we originally intended it to be. And people, we weren't, our audience was asking us, you know, to make that alignment. We wanted wanted Um, to transfer into more diverse conversations was another thing. And so with that, like we wanted to reach out to way more guests and not just in the wellness space. I feel like our first few conversations or the first part of the podcast, a lot of it was, like wellness and nutrition and diet. And yeah, we still talk about all of that stuff, but we're trying to branch out and talk about like, we just had somebody on the podcast to talk about finances, two people on Mm -hmm. to talk about travel. And wellness is not just wearing yoga pants and drinking green juice and whether you're like paleo or vegan, you know, it's just, it's all of the things and it's your work life and it's mental health and it's travel and it's relationships. And we wanted in diversity and we wanted to touch on all of those things. And it just was sort of a natural progression while we wanted to make that switch to also change the names and change up the colors and, yeah, do all that. Yeah. Because becoming – I mean, when you're trying to grow as a person, just focusing on wellness and the green juice isn't – is you're only going to target one part of yourself. Yeah. yeah. hmm Yeah. So I kind of want to switch gears away from podcasting and talk about um, body image a little bit. It's something I've been thinking about more often and something that I think definitely needs to be talked about more. So can each of you kind of touch on your journey with that and your thoughts on it at all? Yeah. So I alluded to that I had had um, some disordered eating. Uh, and unfortunately, like when I look back at um, how I got there, you know, the media influence of what young girls are supposed to look like is just insane. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, I remember the first time that I lost, I spent a summer losing weight in a very unhealthy way, lots of over-exercising. And I didn't know how to diet. So whatever I ate, I would just eat half of. So if I'd eat like half a sandwich, like I just cut everything that I would normally eat in half and then ran for like 10 miles a day. And I lost a lot of weight. And I had, when I came back to school, all of my peers confirmed what I had thought all along, which is you're not worthy of anything until you look closer to this ideal that we're all being exposed to all the time, an ideal that like 5% of people actually naturally look like. Right. 
um, you know, people were all of a sudden like boys were interested in me when they never had been for my personality before. And girls that were mean to me suddenly like I was cool enough to talk to. And that just – you don't want to lose that once you get that taste of, um, you know, acceptance when you haven't had it. It's – you know, you don't want to ever go back to that place where you feel ostracized. So um, I just – I kept going with that. And, you know, there were points where it was really unhealthy and I had to, you know – eventually, the unfortunately, the way I got out of it was I got – a boyfriend um, who, you know, his love that he gave me was, you know, enough for me to kind of start to be okay with myself, which isn't the way that I recommend getting out of mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. disordered eating, but it did, you know, that was what happened for right. me. Um, but it was never really gone. You know, I was always, I never realized how often I was saying, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat, like 20 times an hour. Um it was always kind of this like bubbling under the surface, like at any point it could come out. And, um, you know, like I would, I kept doing this cycle of like gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight all through college. Um, you know, I'd hit a certain point and I'd be like, you're disgusting. We have to take care of this. And I'd pull all of my, my eating restrictive, um, tools out of the toolkit, but like the lighter version that wasn't, you know, me, being really, really sick, but it was still the same problem. Um, And for me, I actually, so Julie, the health coach that I worked with an intuitive eating coach, um, Simi Bodich in Mm -hmm. Columbus, who I absolutely adore. Um, And that really kind of was me, you know, seeing the light a little bit, realizing like, hey, this is a problem that's deeper than how you've tried to fix it in the past. Um, Maybe it's not all about being thin. Maybe it's about healing your mind. so I worked with her and made a lot of good progress. And then I think the key, I've had like a big turning point really in the last couple months with this issue. And I, um, Julie, the coach that Nina referenced, um, who also does intuitive eating, she has a book club. And one of the books is Body Positive Power. Um, it's by an Instagrammer um, who her handles Body Panda. Mm. And she used to have disordered eating, and now she's on the health at every size train. And you read this book about how I'm a very like politically passionate person. Okay. Yeah. And you read this book about how basically these industries, you know, the diet industry and all these industries have made a profit by keeping women distracted over their bodies. So if you're, if you're hungry, how are you supposed to fight and be a strong woman and rise up? Like you can't, you're too distracted on adhering to some norm that you'll never achieve sustainably long-term. And it really just got me mad, you know, that like these, these industries are making billions and billions of dollars, keeping us insecure and ruining our relationships with loved ones and all of the horrible things that happen through eating disorders or, you know, just, this mindset that we find ourselves in. And I started to realize, you know what? Like my body isn't, I'm not built to be a size two. I never was. Um, I'm, my, my whole family is like very overweight and it's, it's great that I'm at a size where I can, I'm exercising and taking care of myself and I'm not, I'm not at what extreme or the other. And 
um, I think I just, I kind of had this realization where I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of playing this game and I'm tired of people profiting by my <laughs> anxiety and sadness and all of the other things that go along with thinking that you're not worthy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I agree. And, <clears throat> and then I think also like, it's not just re- reminding yourself that just because I gained a little bit bit of weight doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. I feel like we also have to remember that, but it's not just one size that is beautiful. It's all of these sizes and shapes that are beautiful. I mean, how can we appreciate anything when everyone looks the same? You know, if everyone looks exactly the same, there's so much beauty and diversity. There's so much... I mean, it's a beautiful thing for people to be different and to be cherished and loved for their differences instead of conforming to some standard that some old white guys in a marketing agency, God knows how long ago, right. <laughs> decided we should look like. Exactly. And what about the people who are going through this maybe in more underprivileged communities that don't really have the resources to work with a health coach? like? What do you say to them? Yeah, I um I'm obsessed with this sounds like so stupid when I say it. I'm obsessed with the library. It sounds like duh, it's a library, Liz. But I it's one of those things, like one of those free resources that I never took advantage of. Mm-hmm. Like I never I always just bought books on Amazon because I maintained that I would need to keep right. them. And I do have a bunch of them. And you know what? I never do read them ever again. Mm. So from a financial standpoint and working on my own financial stuff, I started going to the, to the library more. And that's how I have a, a lot of my knowledge from my financial coaching lately, like coaching techniques and things that I, you know, and the internet is I such a huge resource. If you too. can find... That, that was uh, one yeah. of the first things that really, you know, broadened my awareness when it came all of the right. stuff that I'm working on. I one of the first couple things that I did when I was struggling was I looked at other bloggers. I think I started with bloggers that were going through the same thing that I was going through. I would just read their content and I would relate to their content and it would make me feel less alone and I would learn my awareness just started to grow and grow and grow in this realm. And then I started reading books. Like I know everyone's like, oh self-help books, you know, but really self-help yeah. books were really helpful for me. And podcasts, Mm -hmm. listening to other people's stories. I mean, you can get a coaching experience for free just by listening to somebody be interviewed. Absolutely. And I'd say too, like what you can, the beauty of social media, you know, I think it gets a lot of flack for all of the problems it causes in our society, which there are those. But I think what you can do is like, you know, you were saying with the bloggers and people that you look to, at least in Instagram, I think is the easiest way to do this. You can cultivate, you know, for a while, Nina, we both used to follow a bunch of fitspo people, a bunch of thin, you know, ripped women. I mean, which is great. Like that's their journey and that's what they're doing. Um, But it, it was creating shame for us. And we were following those people to try to like guilt us into being different people. And you can take that same mentality and flip it on its head and cultivate a feed of people like the Instagrammer that wrote the book that I like literally changed my life. Like you can have that be what you're looking at every day. And 
if media is going to influence us the way that it does, and obviously does, um, you know, it shapes how we view ourselves from a body perspective, you can change the media you're looking at to shape a different opinion. Yeah, I think that we need to remember that it's not to let whatever the people that are running all of this media stuff that it's not them, like we can take part in it and get rid of the stuff we don't like and and add the things that we do like. I think you need to start to develop this core belief that you really truly are perfect just as you are like there are many things that you want to improve and that's fine we always need we always want to have goals we always want to be progressing but at your core there is nothing that you need to change and so when it came to body image for me it was like I always just felt like Liz was saying that there was something I needed to fix like I needed to have abs and I needed to dye my hair or my eyebrows weren't good enough or like Obviously, I always was relating it back to the fact that my brain didn't work the way that other people's worked. And so Mm -hmm. I always was trying to be somebody else. And that's when you realize, like Liz said, we were following all of these people. I used to follow bodybuilders. Like I was never into bodybuilding. I would follow them because I thought like that would inspire me to want to eat better and to look like this. And now it's like I follow people that inspire me just because of like who they are, you know, like their personality and they, I follow people that are really true and comfortable in their own skin because I want to be inspired to be comfortable in mine. You know, I want to be inspired to really be the fullest representation of me, not for how I look, not for, you know, however my mental health is that day, but it's just like for accepting and thinking all of who you are. Mm, Yes, definitely. That's so important. Thank you for that. Yeah. So do you guys have books and podcasts that you would recommend for that subject? And you, I know, Liz, you mentioned one. Yeah. I'm trying to well, think. Anything, um, well, anything. Anything intuitive book, eating, I think. Of course, Letting Go of Leo. It, yes. I've been meaning yeah. to read that. Her book I haven't is yet. so good. What's so and good? then, oh my gosh, I can't think of the other one offhand. It was the first book in Julie's Book Cup Club. Oh my gosh, book club. Book club, Liz. You are a badass. No, what's the other Jensen one? Um, wait, is the one you're talking about the girl? Oh, I don't remember there? the other one. Oh, then we're talking yeah. about the same one. So that book that Liz was talking about yeah, is yeah. really good. And then there's obviously Health at Every Size by Linda Bacon. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So I haven't read any of those. So I'm about to get on Amazon or my library and oh, order those. Uh, as soon as possible. I also – this is not like a resource as much as it is like a best practice mm. that really I think was the catalyst for getting all this started for me. I tried to mentally check how I was talking about other women. I think Nina and I spent admittedly – like we've talked about this together – far too long judging oh, other women. And so – So many of us. Yeah. I tried to – I tried to change my my you know if I I used to see someone who'd be overweight and I didn't know anything about her I didn't know her medical history I didn't know her life story I didn't know her emotional state and I would be like that's she's disgusting mm. she's worthless and I think if you're doing that to other the, your relationship with doing that to other people and your relationship to doing that with yourself are so connected yeah. that maybe if you can't change you doing about yourself and then and then move to other people, try the other way where you give other people grace, especially if you 
maybe are hard on yourself and see how that trickles down to how you feel about yourself and how you start talking to yourself. Yeah, that makes more a lot uh, that makes a lot of sense because you project onto other people what you're feeling yourself. Yeah. Another podcast I thought about was Holly Lowry's podcast Liz. We had Yes, absolutely. Um, I think well we were on weird. too. Oh, I actually listened mm-hmm. to your guys's interview today oh, on her podcast. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. She's a great resource. She's for amazing. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I can't believe it's already been almost an hour. I want to ask you about (laughs) one more thing, if that's okay, before we kind of wrap it up. Yeah. So I love talking about creativity and inspiration. So can you guys talk about what your creative journey has been like and how creativity plays a role in your podcast and your current businesses and just life in general? Yeah, I feel like my creativity has been growing since I decided to listen to my intuition, if that makes sense. I was so busy. And when I was specifically trying to change who I was and try to, you know, be like this person and act like that person and look like this person, uh, my creativity had no room to come out because my brain was occupied by so many things that didn't matter. And it was really when I started to crowd out those things that didn't didn't matter to me anymore. I made room for my creativity to start to shine again. And it it starts with just like what's one thing? What's one thing that lights you up? What's one thing that makes you happy? And go do that thing. And the feeling you get and the creativity and the ideas you get when you're in that moment of enjoyment, that's what you have to remember. And then it starts you can just start building from that. Yeah. That's awesome. I think for me, um, I think a lot of people fall in – I've never said to myself, I'm not a creative person because I always – I feel like I have always been a historically kind of creative person. Um, But I think there are times where even as a creative person, you think like I'm not creative enough or I'm not – for me, there's, I mean, obviously <laughs> I've referenced like negative self-talk a lot and that's a big, a big issue for me. And so it would squash any idea that I had, you know, something would pop up and I'd immediately be like, can't do that, won't work, not going to happen for one reason or another. And I think starting to play with the idea of like, maybe that won't work right now. Um, can something else, you know, related to that that idea work right now instead? Playing off of that, I think the more open, I've tried to be more open with myself and, um, you know, not not say no to myself. Um, I think has been a big key for me in exploring my creativity, um, just not squashing it from the get go. So yeah, and I think if you start to judge your creativity, then that just starts to become a whole other layer of things that you need to work through and like Elizabeth Gilbert talks about love her oh my gosh I've been listening to podcasts that she's been on this whole week just can't stop thinking about her she's so great but yeah just like accepting creativity for what it is and remembering that it's like a gift and creativity wants to work with you absolutely yeah so is there anything else you ladies would love to share with me and with the listeners? Um, 
to the listeners, I would say you're just amazing and you're amazing for listening to resources like this and keeping you. Thank you for listening (laughs) to podcasts and letting us talk in your ear. And thank you for having us on the show. This has been really fun. Yeah. I'm so glad that we were able to connect and I hope we can continue to connect more. So yeah. Yeah. So how can people find you? Oh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's harder we can't look at each other and like – or when we used to sit next to each other and record, I could literally like feel Nina getting ready to talk and then I'd like back off. Uh, <laughs> you can find the podcast at findingyourshinepodcast.com. We're also on Instagram at findingyourshinepodcast. Um, I would say go to Facebook, but it's basically just yeah. the Instagram at this right. point. So the Instagram is and the better resource. All, um, all the ways that you can listen to podcasts. We're Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, all the things. And then um, personally, so I'm – if anyone's like just interested in Liz or Nina, um, I'm at LizGarster.com. That's G-A-R-S-T-E-R. And my Instagram handle is super creative at LizGarster. And Mm -hmm. Nina is NourishedWithNina.com and hers is at NourishedWithNina because she has a like super cute, cool business name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of the things that you shared. I'm so thankful that you guys were willing to connect with me. So thank you so much. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. That was my conversation with Nina and Liz. I hope you enjoyed it and took notes because they had a lot of nuggets of wisdom to share. If this episode resonated with you in any way, go ahead and share it on your Instagram stories and tag us. We would love to know you're listening. If you want to find out more about Nina and Liz, all of the links to their website and their podcast will be in the show notes. If you would like to connect with me, follow me on Instagram at Podcast or shoot me an email to museroompodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Speaking about hearing from you, I would also love your feedback. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It really is the best way to support the podcast right now, and I would love to hear what you think. Thank you. All right, well, thank you so much for tuning in and for always coming back to hear these inspiring conversations. I will talk to you next week, and in the meantime, I'll see you on the internet. Thank you.